This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. With your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mullane Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. We are here on the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We have a 53-man roster for the Chicago Bears. We're going to pick it apart and see who got the bad news today, who stayed, and maybe got some good news. Dan, what was your biggest surprise after seeing the 53-man roster? Well, first of all, you phrased that correctly. We have a 53-man roster. We don't have the 53-man roster. I sort of make my annual proclamation that the 53-man roster that matters is the one you go to practice with for the first day of practice in week one. So there's going to be a lot of movement here in the next few days with waiver claims and and some other roster machinations with guys going to IR and things of that nature. Um, I don't think there were many shocks in this roster, uh, David. I think some of the most notable things, you see a guy like Travis Gibson, draft pick from the previous regime, 2020 pick, uh, who had showed some promise in his career, head out the door. Uh, I think that was kind of sort of foreshadowed here over the last month with the way things have gone. Uh, inside the building for him and, and and for whatever reason, couldn't earn the confidence of this coaching staff in this front office. Uh, I think obviously uh, with a chance to talk to Matt Eberflus today, the idea that the Bears are, are they seem like they have a priority on bringing back a veteran presence in the quarterback's room. So I think there's a push to bringing Nathan Peterman back on the practice squad if possible. He was cut today. Uh, they can also scour the waiver wire claim if they want to find a veteran presence at that position that they think makes more sense. That's obviously a lot more difficult when you're bringing in a new guy, trying to teach him a building, teach him a system. But those are the two things uh, initially that jump out. I have some questions about the quarterback position, but I want to start with the guys who got the bad news today and and ask you about a couple of those maybe uh, 
what the rationale for cutting Kendall Vildor and Travis Gibson. So Travis Gibson is somebody who had a very strong preseason. I felt like in, in his final game last Saturday against the Bills, he, he showed he had a strip sack. And I think in, in the previous game, he looked like somebody who had played at a, at a high level based on he was motivated by being buried on the depth chart or whatever the case. Kendall Vildor, he played a lot of football for the Bears, not necessarily going to bemoan the loss of somebody who was inconsistent and who may, they may have upgraded in terms of talent and replacing him. But I ask you this, Dan, if Travis Gibson, just based on football performance during the preseason, did he make the team and was he cut for financial reasons? And if that's the case, does that contradict maybe the football reasons that were cited in cutting PJ Walker and Alex Leatherwood, guys who, you know, they had big, they had money that the Bears ate. Why were they not willing to do the same thing with Travis Gibson well, if that indeed is the case? So let's start with that because uh, Ryan Polzny and Cunningham will meet with the media on Wednesday afternoon at House Hall. And that's one of the top topics I think we need to get to with them is just what was it that, that didn't allow Travis Gibson to stay as part of the plan here? This is a guy who uh, was obviously productive when this regime came in, he had those seven sacks in 2021, five fumbles for us that year as well, which is the ball production that is big part of the <laughs> the hits principle. Uh, it didn't show up last year, and he had seemed to have a pretty decent spring, and, and it started camp pretty well. And for some reason, he fell out of favor and wasn't able to kind of earn their confidence. You know, it, it, I don't think this is financially related for the reasons you just mentioned. They've sort of made a public declaration that that money is not going to be the driving force with a lot of decisions they made. And it clearly wasn't with PJ Walker. It clearly wasn't with Alex Leatherwood. Um, and so it's just going to be a, an interesting explanation from Ryan and Ian uh, to kind of give us a better feel for, for what it was that didn't make Travis part of the plans. Kendall Vildor, I think is a, a perfect example of what happens when a roster starts to get better. You've got right. a day three pick uh, a guy who was fine when he was called into action was never great. Well, now you went out and you, you made two investments in draft picks with Tyreek Stevenson, who's going to start for you on open day, with Terrell Smith, who they have high hopes for. You've got Jalen Johnson. You have Kyler Gordon, who you drafted a year ago. You've got guys in Jalen Jones and Josh Blackwell who can help you on special teams. That's a casualty that happens when you're upgrading a roster. And so we wish Kendall all the best. Certainly wish Travis all the best. I think he's going to hopefully find himself a, a situation uh, that, that suits him better. And it'll be very interesting to monitor his progress in 2023 because he has played successful football at this level. And now it's a, a matter of trying to get that back out of him. Let's look at that defensive end position, Dan. Then I count five defensive ends yeah. that made the initial 53 guys who maybe uh, mild surprises, Rasheem Green, Terrell Lewis, obviously guys who had strong preseasons themselves, who were part of the new regime's fines, if you will. And then Dominic Robinson, who I think still, to me, yeah. seems a little like a project, but certainly a draft pick, their first draft with the Ryan Poles regime. And then the, the veterans who they added via free agency outside the organization, Demarcus Walker and Enik Ngakwe. Yeah. I, I, you know, with Dom, like this is a guy that it needs to show up. You know, he had that flashy debut as a rookie a year ago against the 49ers. And you thought, man, they really found themselves a diamond in the rough. And then the production wasn't there for the remainder of the year. It hasn't been super consistent through training camp or in preseason action when he's been out there. And so you want to see some flashes. You want to see some things to believe in as soon as September 10th when the Packers come to town. And so, uh, look, that's a, a group they feel good about. Uh, Demarcus Walker didn't practice really at all in August. And Ikengakwe is trying to find his way here. So I, I think 
you're right to scratch your head a little bit with this group of uh, in in saying that it's an unknown quantity going to the starting gate of the season opener, and to some extent, so is the 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 defensive tackle position, where two of the biggest things that that absolutely killed this team in 2022 was their inability to rush the pass and their inability to stop the run. <laughs> Those are two pretty big things to play in winning football. We don't know if they're going to be able to do it uh, much better than they did a year ago. I think obviously the reason tells you it'll be better, but how much better is a, a total mystery. I really do have questions about the interior of that defense still, even after three preseason games and, and seeing uh, where they have upgraded in theory on paper. But I still think that um, I don't know if I have 100% trust that they are that much better able to stop the run. I, I want to ask one last question about, about the edge rushers, and I don't want to dwell on it necessarily. I get that. I'm not going to change my season projection based on the fact that Travis Gibson isn't here. But if I were to ask you to – rank uh, the most productive defensive ends in, in the preseason for the Bears, you wouldn't go far down the list before you'd yeah. see his name. And, right, and he'd be right behind Terrell Lewis, really, on this roster. Terrell Lewis, right, would be probably the, most, the guy who flashed the most, and then Travis Gibson would be next, and then I wonder if they're keeping guys just because they drafted them or if they're keeping guys just because they found them, and I wonder about that sometimes. Again, I, I want more clarity on this from from Ryan and Ian on Wednesday. Hopefully, they'll be able to provide it. Um, you know, Travis is certainly not a guy that has attitude issues. He's certainly not a guy that 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 rocks the boat inside the locker room. A hard worker, humble kid, um, gives you everything he has. They they sang his praises as recently as this week with Ellen right. Williams and Matt Eberflus doing it from from the dais. And so, um, yeah, I mean that's that's it. You you ask a good question. I wish I had a better answer for you today. Probably the next time we talk, I will. Let's move on to the quarterback position because a lot of people talking about what's going on with the Bears. It's somewhat uh, – it, it, it's a great story kind of un because it's a little unexpected. The number two quarterback as we sit here today is Tyson Bajan, the Division II product from Shepherd University in, in uh, West Virginia, somebody who we didn't know much about him going into preseason, and certainly he was just kind of a mystery. Now he's become right now the number two quarterback. Dan, they – Cut P.J. Walker, and they still owe him some money. They guaranteed him uh, $2 million, I believe. And they have you know, released Nathan Peterman with the idea of bringing him back on the practice squad. Matt Eberflus was somewhat coy. I don't want to say indirectly, but indirectly suggested that they would like to bring a veteran into that room. Do you think a guy like Trevor Simeon, who was cut by the Bengals, qualifies as a candidate to be that guy? Or do you think it's going to be someone else or no one at all? I, I think it will be someone. I think okay. it will be someone. Like I say, I think I think Nathan Peterman is a guy that they would like to have back on the practice squad if they don't find something better. I don't know about Trevor at this point. Obviously, he would have the experience in the system, experience with Justin, the experience with Luke that would, uh, you know, at least give you a reason to think about it if that's the way you wanted to go. But if you wanted to go that route, you probably would have kept them around to begin with last spring. Um, look, like Matt – I use the word wishy-washy when I asked him directly <laughs> on Tuesday if, if, if he was ready to go to week one and Soldier Field against the Green Bay Packers with Tyson Bajant as his number two quarterback. And while he said that that uh, Tyler – good glare – that Tyson has put his best foot forward uh, that, that, you know, the, they were still waiting to finalize the roster. And so he didn't say, yes, that's a, a declarative, you know, undisputed number two quarterback. And so I'll be really interested to see kind of what direction they go in the next couple of days with that. Tyson Bajan has shown some things on tape that are really, really 
impressive in terms of obviously not, not only the timing and the rhythm and the poise, but the way he moves in the pocket. There were things against the Bills on Saturday afternoon, David, that on a second and third watch, you go, man, this is it. Like this is some of the stuff they're trying to, to get Justin to do. Justin's always going to be a much more explosive athlete, a much more uh, dynamic playmaker, better arm strength, all those things. The way Tyson Bajan can can slide up in the pocket and then slide out, the way he kind of surfs that pocket, the way they talk about doing it, there there are there are signs there that it's it's pretty proficient, and so you understand why they want to continue to develop that and see sure. if there is a diamond in the rough. And it also, when we talk about trying to, to to have a safety net beneath you in case Justin Fields doesn't become what you hope he becomes. This gives you a jump start on that a little bit. You know, this gives you a guy in-house that you can start to take a look at and you don't have to start, you know, dreaming about all the draft capital you'd have to get up to get in the quarterback sweepstakes of the 2024 draft. You may be able to do what the 49ers did and and, and say, oh, Trey Lance didn't work out. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't work out. Well, guess what? We, we found a diamond in the rough in Brock Purdy. And so now you have, you know, 18 weeks from this point forward to, to kind of explore if that, that is something that's in your cards. And I think that's, that's notable uh, as much as anything else. Yeah. I don't want to call it the best case scenario because that would include Justin Fields not living up to potential. But I think that your emergency plan is that ideally he is your Brock Purdy to Trey Lance. He is your Kirk cousins to RG three, right? Because he was cousins going back was a fourth round pick, not expected to do much. He was the backup to RG three, and then you look at what happened in with those two guys and their their careers. That's way ahead of ourselves. What I did like about Bajan against the Bills in the preseason finale was his footwork. And I didn't expect that. His mobility, which I also didn't know much about, but he definitely, as confident as he is just in the huddle and at the line of scrimmage, he's he's not exactly shy in terms of running the football. He didn't seem like he was scared of anything. Here's the one thing, too, that what that I think you can get into trouble as a young quarterback when you're not scared of anything. He throws the ball with conviction, and he throws the ball before receivers yeah. make a break. He throws guys open or he throws the ball where he, they should be. You've got to be uh, – you've got to have communication 100% with the receivers, and you have to have that innate sense of where they're going to go to be right and he's going to be wrong and I think sometimes we saw it on we saw it maybe against the Bills I wonder if that's going to get in the way even though you like his confidence you wonder he's got to find a balance there between knowing exactly what's going to happen and throwing the ball where he wants it what's your over under on when the city of Chicago starts calling for Tyson Bajan to be the starter Halloween (laughs) <laughs> you know, it depends on how effective Justin Fields is. That's I Halloween. joke, but I, then again, I don't, right? Like I, I, we know Chicago. Halloween's wishful thinking if Justin Fields starts one and three and he's and he's below sixty percent completion percentage. There will be people clamoring for the backup quarterback who was always the most popular bear in town. Right. And so the, the other one of the other things from from Saturday that I liked about Tyson Bajan is is I actually gave him an out to kind of uh, wiggle out of the interception he threw because of what happened on the play where you, you've got kind of a rub rub route concept and, and you're expecting the defender on the slot receiver to kind of follow your guy out to the flat and instead he takes depth and runs into the guy that pre-snap you're expecting to throw the football to. So Tyson Bajan gets locked and loaded to throw the ball to Darius Fountain and then Darius Fountain runs into the, 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 the defensive back that's covering Simba Webster and it, the ball gets easily intercepted. Meanwhile, Simba Webster is wide open in the right flat and I said, is that is that just a, a, a case where you know, you can't really expect that collision to happen. And, and, and you, you, you know, it's just one of those fluky things. And he said, no, like I have to, 
I have to see that collision coming and adjust accordingly and understand that my flat route receiver, in this case, Simba Webster, is wide open and get the ball to him. And so uh, just that, 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 that understanding of what went wrong and, and, and what his ownership and responsibility in it was, was, was impressive to me as well. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because it will create too much – uh, just hubbub in, in terms of the, you know, how this relates to Justin, but it relates to Tyson Bajan because they, they felt confident enough to let a guy that they paid, uh, you know, $2 million in guaranteed money in March and thought was going to be their veteran backup in the room go. And if Tyson Bajan doesn't perform like he did in the month of August, they may be sitting there with PJ Walker on their roster and, and a, a bottle of Excedrin by the nightstand, <laughs> you know, going, what did we just do? And now they get, they, they at least give themselves the, the, the conviction that they've got another option and that they, they, they can own that mistake. I said two weeks ago that one of the things I was interested to see is whether Ryan Poles would have uh, that in him to to admit a mistake like that because that the P.J. Walker signing goes as a loss in his column. There's no question about it. No matter what Tyson Bajan did, you 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 swung and you missed on a backup in a year that's it's pretty pivotal to have someone in that room. So um, that's another little notable footnote on this whole conversation. You mentioned Darius Fountain. He was one of the receivers that was let go and released. You also Simba Webster, somebody who had his moments during training camp. I think those are just people who are really paying close attention, and that is our audience of people who are paying very close attention. <laughs> Attention. They know the names when we say them and guys who may have flashed during training camp. Um, the, a couple other names getting back to the roster decisions. And I think guys who may you can envision being part of the 16 man practice. squad. Right. Micah Baskerville had a very strong preseason and he was one of the players that did not make the initial 53. Travis Bell, the seventh round draft pick uh, from Kennesaw State, who yeah, is a very easy guy to pull for and to like yep. as well and has had his share of moments. Those are two guys whose names may have stood out, uh, Dan, to me in terms of young players that look promising and may be still part of the organization. Anyway, yeah, well, that to you. Super point there because when I got in the league, covering this league, you know, 12 years ago, it was an eight-man practice squad, and then it was a 10-man practice squad, and now it's ballooned to a 16-man practice squad. And the Bears, by the way, will have a 17-man practice squad most likely this season because they get an exemption for Roy Embedica, who's part of the International Pathway Player Program that, uh, you, you know, gives him an opportunity to continue developing with, with this special exemption. There are going to be a lot of guys that are on this cut list today that are back at practice on, on Thursday afternoon at Hallis Hall. Travis Bell, most likely one of them. Baskerville is a guy they certainly will have back on the practice squad. I wouldn't be shocked if somewhere, somewhere, uh, somehow someone decided to, to put in, in a claim for him. That'll be one worth worth keeping an eye on because he flashed. And, and there are people around the league and, and, and people who observe it closely that said, man, like this dude's got it instinctually. Uh, so that's one to keep an eye on. Um, look, I know we always kind of uh, overestimate the, the ability to get guys through waivers, but that's the one that I, I'm most curious to see uh, if there's any risk in losing him because he is on waivers. But other than that, you mentioned Webster and Fountain and, and these guys and Peterman, you know, all candidates to be back here again on Thursday. And so, again, like I always say, like next Wednesday or next Tuesday, let's take a look at that 53 plus 17. And then we've got our full analysis of what the Bears look like right now. A lot of things are, are, are still very fluid. OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Our audience obviously would appreciate your writing. So in the ChicagoTribune.com, people want to check out your story on Roy and Betica. That was terrific. The <laughs> long journey he took to get to the Bears and Hallis Hall. And I'm glad he's staying because of the exemption because that was terrific. And he seems like a real engaging guy. The super, super cool guy to talk to. And I talked to him a couple different times throughout camp in the preseason and then had to go to his locker after a preseason game on Saturday where he was one of two players that were healthy and not a starter and didn't play. You know, he just paced the sidelines for that entire three hours against the Bills. And um, look, 6'9", 320 <laughs> with, with footwork and movement skills that, that make your eyes pop. There is a ton of developmental work to be done with this kid. He, you know, just started playing football seriously a few years ago, doing drills with people in Nigeria via YouTube videos that were just basic. Here's how you block a defensive player and not like <laughs> this is what you do with scheme. And this is how, you know, how you defend a bull rush or this is how you, you know, defend a cross chop, all those things. So there is a raw block of clay here that the Bears will get another four months to try to continue molding and see if he's got a future here. It's a cool story for a dude that, uh, was discovered by OCU Manura's Uprise Camp, you know, in Africa, a guy who came from Nigeria, won a Super Bowl with the Giants, and understands that there's some fertile ground uh, in those parts of the world for for athletes, you know, and guys that might need to be discovered. This guy's one of them. Two linebackers who I thought might have a shot, especially to help the Bears on special teams, Demarcus Gates and, and Michael Walker, the former Falcon who joined yeah. the team late and he was cut by the Falcons. They were both on the initial cut list. I wonder, do you think that either one of those guys may come back to Hallis or will they be landing with other teams? Good question on Walker. I always thought that his arrival a couple of weeks ago was just to get you through a preseason in which all your linebackers were hurt. You know, they had so many injuries at the position throughout the month that you needed guys to play in preseason games. And they found a guy that was experienced and capable of doing that. It also tells you that they believe that Dylan Cole is going to be hundred percent healthy for the regular season. He makes the 53 man roster. He's one of those guys along with Travis Homer who are core special teams guys, you know, the heartbeat of those four phases on special teams. And so, um, you know, those guys will, will make it. We'll see what happens with Walker Gates. He was in and out last year, you know, definite candidate for the practice squad. 
Um, and then like, look, the bears have the number one claim in the waiver wire. And so every single player that's cut by every single other team in the league now, uh, is a player that the bears can pick off the, off the shelf and say, we want to take a, a look at that guy. Obviously you have to get rid of somebody currently under 53 men roster to do that. We talked a ton a year ago about how they made six waiver claims. And then we emphasized this week that. Name me those six waiver claim guys. The only guy still around is Josh Blackwell, right? So, so five of those six didn't work out. Alex Leatherwood caused a lot of excitement. You know, former first round pick, he's claimed on waivers. And then today when, when Adrian Flus was given a chance to kind of explain why it didn't work here, just kind of sidestepped it and played dodgeball. And uh, Alex Leatherwood leaves the building without having made much of an impression on anyone whatsoever. So you, you mentioned Travis Homer, the free agent signing uh, that is going to be a special teams contributor and probably uh, stand out if, if it goes well. He makes the team. Uh, Tristan Ebner does not a 2022 draft pick, I believe. He's on concussion protocol, I think, Dan. Is that not the case because he has an injury designation? What's his future hold? Yeah, so they put him uh, uh, with that injury designation. And so what happens now is if he does clear waivers, which is expected to, he'll, he will revert to IR here now when the, when the regular season begins. And then it's a matter of, you know, what, what you do with him from there. So uh, he should still be around for a little while and you hope you – you get him healthy, you know, first and foremost, but he's a, a, a numbers casualty in a running backs room. That's pretty deep. I said a couple of weeks ago, I didn't know if they'd keep five the closer. We got the cut down day. It seemed pretty obvious that they were going to keep the five. And they feel really good about those three that are going to run the ball, <laughs> you know, between the, 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 the complimentary skill sets of Herbert, of Foreman, of Roshan Johnson. And then obviously you have your fullback in blazing game. And then a guy in Travis Homer who does a lot for you in a lot of different ways that, that most people don't notice. We make so much about the draft picks by Ryan Poles. Each and every one gets studied and scrutinized. I mentioned Travis Bell getting released. Also, Kendall Williamson, a yeah. uh, draft pick this year. He's probably a candidate to come back. Did he show much in camp that you remember? Two seventh rounders that that almost certainly will will uh, get their practice squad jobs by the end of the week. Kendall Williamson, it, it looked like there's instincts there, there's athleticism there, there's something to work with. Uh, they feel better. Look, when we David, when we walked into training camp, I told you one of the biggest depth questions I had on this roster was at safety, and I asked you to name their backups at safety, and we couldn't get there. Well, now we go to week one, and their backups are Elijah Hicks and A.J. Thomas. And so that, that's what you're working with. The, the belief inside the building is that Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker will be more than ready to start week one against the Packers. But my question is, okay, what happens the next time one or both of those guys go down? Where's your depth? Well, there it is. That's Hicks and Thomas. Natural question as a follow-up. Deion Bush was a casualty of the Chiefs purge on their roster. He's a former Bear. He knows the building and he's got some experience. Would he might be a guy who, who they look at on the waiver wire? Previous regime guy, so I don't think okay. that, that, that he's going to fit with this particular group. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see where they go. Look, again, so many hundreds of players are, are, are being informed of their release today. And, like, I asked Matt Eberflus this afternoon what the process is like inside the building and trying to sift through all these waiver claims. And he said, I said, is it frantic during these, you know, 24 hours? He said, nope, it's organized, it's detailed, it's methodical. And so they have their processes down where Ryan and Ian and that staff get all their guys together. They have – head coach and, and coordinators watch some of the film and they try to figure out, okay, who are our priorities? It's certainly beneficial when you can have the first crack at everyone with that number one waiver claim. And so you don't have to do as much guesswork on, oh, is this guy going to get claimed by somebody ahead of us in the waiver claim order or do we have him? And, and, and at this point, they'll get a chance to, to swing at a lot of guys if they so desire. Ace producer Adam Sudzinski informs us that Travis Gibson tweeted out that he, quote, never requested a trade. As 
was reported that he was given permission to seek one or maybe he requested one, whatever the case, it never made sense to me why the Bears, why somebody would trade for a guy who was likely facing, you know, his, his roster cut at 3 p.m. on Tuesday. So if Travis Gibson never uh, requested a trade, the Bears seemingly were never close to dealing him. I will say this with full sincerity. Travis has been one of my favorite guys in that locker room over the last three years. Tremendous to talk to, very introspective, very humble, very grounded. I was disappointed on Saturday afternoon when he snuck out of the locker room before reporters were allowed in. Because if you wanted to set that record straight on Saturday afternoon, you had an opportunity to set that record straight on Saturday afternoon. And and, and he ducked out and wasn't there to take questions on this. So the tweet doesn't do much for me a couple of days later. And I say that with all due respect to Travis, who again is, has been one of my favorite guys in that building for a few years now and so um we'll see where he goes and uh pretty interesting that that that's uh that that's surfacing this afternoon so this comes after all the roster cuts the news on monday night late monday night that the bears made a trade to beef up their depth on the offensive line matt feeney is a guard dan feeney i'm sorry dan feeney dan feeney is a guard with the miami dolphins a free agent played with the jets and spent four years with the chargers before that the pride of sandberg high school from Orland Park. He's a local guy. I've heard from people who know him already. His family's excited. Uh, fans are excited. Friends are excited. He's coming back. What role do you expect Dan Feeney to play on the Bears offensive line? I think I saw a video circulating on social media where he was chugging beers at an Islanders game, uh, you, you know, on, on the Jumbotron camera. So you bring that to the offensive line room and you obviously got a personality there. Look, they, they're, they're reshuffling this offensive line on the interior in particular, David, right now because of all the injuries that added up in the month of August. Tevin Jenkins' return is uncertain. Matt Eberflus, when he calls a guy week to week, you may as well – uh, <laughs> put him in an ambulance and 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 send him to long term care, right? Like because that's that, that's what how much it takes to get off the day to day list for him. And so you have to figure out answers on the interior offensive line. Nate Davis, Cody Whitehair. Well, now Dan Feeney comes in, and and as Matt described it on Tuesday afternoon, you've got. Uh, a guy who is like a good swing tackle because he can play center for you. He can play either guard spot for you. And you've got a reliable backup who, if called upon to start, has that experience, is reliable enough. And as a coaching staff gives you some of that, that peace of mind that if needed, you know, he's going to plug in there uh, and, and know what to do and how to do it. So apparently depth is important on the offensive line because of the injuries. Matt Eberflus clarified on Tuesday that the only player – who might not be available for week one is Tevin Jenkins. So if that's the case, it means Nate Davis ideally will be your right guard and Cody Whitehair will be available. Your left guard is, I, or maybe Cody Whitehair is the left guard and, and Lucas Patrick is the center. However it shakes out, the good news would be also Darnell Wright is presumably going to start week one against the Packers. Are you surprised by any of the injury news you got? Because I get, you go both sides of the ball and you have to be encouraged that your guys are getting healthy. Well, again, this is eye test stuff for me, and I need to go out to practice the the rest of this week and and start next week and see what those guys look like. Um, you know, Noah Sewell, a guy who left Saturday's preseason game with what appeared to be a groin injury, is he going to be ready for week one? I'm not sure. He's on the day-to-day list. We'll see what that injury report looks like officially a week from now. 
uh, on the Wednesday of week one. Uh, we'll see before that what some of these guys look like and what their involvement is in practice on, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Monday. Um, and we'll be able to, to give you a better better look at things. Uh, look, like they, they need to stay healthy. Um, Nate Davis is the head scratcher of the month, really, on a lot of levels because he didn't practice much at all and Eberflus said on Tuesday afternoon that look like I faced him in the division in the AFC South for a few years and I know what he's like when he's healthy and I I expect him to be so when the regular season arrives okay let's see it um, and then we'll we'll check that box you know I'm not as ready to check it as, as they seem to be publicly um, that offensive line's got to get got to get solidified quickly we know what's at stake for Justin we know what's at stake in the first month of the season for Justin, because again, this isn't just an opener against some random opponent. This is the Packers at 325 at Soldier Field to open your season with the whole world looking to overreact one way or another to what happens that afternoon. So you better be ready to be crisp, efficient, and show some things that 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 uh, give people the impression that your offense is ready to roll for an 18 week uh, 18 week ride. Are there anything? Uh, is there anything else in regard to the 53-man roster, the decisions that were made, the battles that were won or lost that we've overlooked or haven't touched on? Well, I, you know, like at the receiver position, we always talk about, oh, is Valus Jones in jeopardy? Well, he's not. He's here. They're going to need to try to bring out the best in him in his second season in the league. Equinemius St. Brown sticks around because of his reliability as a blocker. And again, we'll see how many of the guys on the current 53 are still here on Monday after all these waiver claims go down and all the reshuffling goes down and everything that happens. So um, th- that would be one that I would mention. And I think otherwise we've, we've covered it pretty, uh, pretty thoroughly. So when you look at uh, the receiving room and you look at the wide receiver depth and the quality of the receiving core, I think that opens the door to have you respond to the wide receiver rumor of the week, <laughs> which I know triggered you a little bit on Monday and all bears fans everywhere saw and it made very little sense to me, but I'll let you take it from there. Well, look, uh, I'm going to try to find the origins of this just so I can do this this justification, David. But it was it, it, the way that this thing got legs, like the information sewer that is social media these days. Is, it, it's just mystifying. I know you're an old school reporter and you like to have things verified before you take one wave of speculation and turn it into two, three, four, five, six waves of speculation. Thank you. Yes. I agree. I agree with that approach, right? Like it's a pretty healthy approach to take in this business. Well, there was a tweet, uh, 9, 16 AM on Monday that said there's already been plenty of trade activity across the NFL, but we're still about 30 hours from the cut down deadline. Surprise trade candidates include bears wide receiver, Darnell Mooney, lions edge, James Houston, the fourth. Well, that's from at PFF underscore Brad, Brad Spielberg, Burger from uh, Pro Football Focus, and my first reaction to that was, okay, what? And it links to an article um, that hedged a lot. <laughs> you know, there there was a lot of, uh, I don't think this is going to happen, and it probably won't happen, but what if it did? And all of a sudden, you've got the entire world on Twitter talking about Darnell Mooney being traded, and then you have other people taking it to the next level and going, well, here's why Darnell Mooney's unhappy. Well, none of these things are true. The Bears were never thinking about trading Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney was never unhappy. There's n- n- None of this stuff is founded in reality. And so it's an exercise for audience members to, to like walk through the step-by-step process, which is really hard to do when your timeline is flooding at you like an open faucet. But like number one, if the Bears were going to trade Darnell Mooney and wanted to dangle him, 
Uh, most likely they would use an Adam Schefter, an Ian Rappaport, a Tom Pelissero to get that word out there, you know, to dangle that out there. You get someone in the national media with connections everywhere to put it out there and then people will start calling out it. It's usually not coming from PFF underscore Brad. If that were the case and you're entering a year where you need to get a decision on your starting quarterback, Justin Fields, and you want to see everything you can about who he is and you want to give him no excuses, as the Take North podcast has, has said a bunch of times. And your entire mission in this offseason was getting him protection and getting him weapons. Why on earth, on the eve of the regular season, would you subtract a weapon from your receiving core, which is already beat up with Chase Claypool down? Why on earth would you sub- subtract a guy who has notable chemistry with Justin Fields on the field? Why on earth would you subtract a guy who's one of Justin Fields' best friends in the building at a time like this? So so none of it ever made sense, okay? So when I saw it, threw it in the trash immediately, didn't think twice about it. And then you just start seeing the reaction to it. And then the reaction to the reaction, and you see how these things get legs and you go, boy, this could be a societal problem (laughs) at large, not in relation to the Mooney trade, but just in terms of the way information spreads and false information takes on a life of its own. And then false information takes on a new life of false information, which then creates more false information. And then before you know it, all we're doing is, is, is drinking from a false information faucet. So yes, it bothered me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little passionate about this and I'm sorry I got worked up there, but your reaction to the whole thing. I'm glad you did because as it came up this morning on th- Tuesday morning on the Mullion Haas show, I just deemed it PFF, pro football foolish, because <laughs> it made no sense to me. Pro football and fabrication. Think, yeah, that's, a, that's even better. I'm going to use that tomorrow, Dan, but I'll give you credit. Uh, I, both things apply because it's one of those things that qualifies under the category of clickbait. Have a lot of respect for Brad. They do a really good job in a lot of different areas, but I don't think that trade speculation necessarily is one of those, especially in this case. I don't know if Stubbs has got the sound the, the sound clip ready, but that's a perfect Zach Kennedy, Pickens candidate for what you're doing, man. What like, you doing, what you're doing man? man? Yeah, yeah what's see, it? there it is. Uh, yeah, all right, let's do it again, Studs. What you doing, man? All right, what you doing, man? That's a good one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right. So, Dan, last thing I have, I want to get your impression because Molly and I had an interesting conversation, too. And, and again, this is in the context of just kind of understanding how the NFL works or thinking that we do. Um, You know, the Trey Lance situation, I think, can be a cautionary tale. A year ago, he was preparing to start the season against the Bears, and he came into Soldier Field as the quarterback of the future for the San Francisco 49ers. Suffers a broken ankle on uh, September 18th, I think week three or week two. He 
misses the season and he was maybe rushed to the field, but a year after he was the, you know, the, the starter of the, the quarterback of the future, he is now on his second team traded after they gave up on him essentially in San Francisco, after they gave up so much to get him in the draft, he was drafted well ahead of Justin Fields, the third quarterback taken in the 2021 draft. And I think that when you talk about, and we talk about the no excuses tour, that's kind of what we're talking about. Life comes at you fast in the NFL. Justin Fields has a sense of urgency that is arriving very quickly. September 10th, it is here, the beginning of that season that will dictate his future because you don't want to be in a year from now wondering what wonder what Justin Fields is going to be like as what, whatever, whatever shape his career takes. But I do think that just reminds – it should remind everyone in Chicago how, how temporary this kind of – opportunity can be oh yeah and, and how important this season is 2019 is all you need to, to revisit to understand just how how quickly that trap door can open up beneath you and everything goes in the direction that you didn't think it was going in the bears went from super bowl hopefuls on the thursday night of week one of 2019 to oh no we're in free fall by november 1st you know and that that, that that's a startling two-month uh, transition and, and evolution there. And so look like there's, there's a lot ahead here and there's a lot to develop. And, and, you know, Luke Getze said something in one of the meetings that was shown on the bears, 1920 football drive program, where he was talking to his players about understanding how to ride that roller coaster and do so with grace and a steel stomach. And he said, you have to do it with an attitude of, we got this bleep, you know? And so like Justin is at the forefront of that. He's got to weather the storm. Um, I'm glad you asked this question because I get a lot of questions on social media and I don't like answering them on social media because the discussion is longer about how does Justin's camp in 2023 compare to some of the struggles we saw from Mitch's camp in 2019 that for me were a warning sign of, uh uh-oh, like this isn't fluid. The two differences for me are, um, number one, the expectations of what that season was going to be are far different. That team was a Super Bowl hopeful team, and the pressure of having to live up to that so quickly mounted. And it mounted throughout that summer. It mounted throughout that training camp. It mounted into that first week of the regular season when they laid an egg and lost to the Packers 10-3 to at home. And, and by the way, d- don't forget, in that game, the Bears had the ball down 10-3 to with a chance to go tie it up, and the entire stadium knew the game was over. And that told you how that game had gone that day. And, and Mitch ended up throwing an interception in the end zone to Adrian Amos. So, so the pressure was different. Justin's mental fortitude is different than Mitch's was. He's just sturdier in terms of the psyche and the ability to, to handle struggle and failure. Quality. And I, you know, like I always said with Mitch, like, and, and it's not like a, a, I mean, it's a criticism for sure, but it's something I can relate to. He struggled with struggling, you know, and that, that was one of his fatal flaws is he just could never kind of just like steady himself. And it became, it became a problem. Justin's not going to have those problems. Now, some of the inconsistency that was shown through training camp is worrisome. Again, I counted 18 interceptions in one, uh, 11 and 11 and, and seven on seven periods uh, from the start of training camp until the end of last week. And, and that has to get cleaned up. I'm going to have something uh, for ChicagoTribune.com next week that we're going to talk about at length on this show, which is setting realistic statistical goals for Justin Fields in 2023. It's an awesome exercise. I'm almost done with it. You're going to be uh, really intrigued to see what the results are because I think it'll give you kind of a, a, a level 
uh, barometer of, of what we're aiming for and where the bullseye's at. Um, the other thing I would say, and I'm, I'm curious what you think of this, because the Bears opted to play Justin Fields in that preseason finale the other day, and they were going to give him 10 to 15 snaps, and then he took a hit on his 13th snap, and they pulled the plug. And look, I'm, I'm not up in arms about this. I'm not outraged. Uh, it was an interesting decision to me because of where they took him out of the game at. It was first and goal at the nine, and all camp long, you've talked about the need to get him a lot of situational work, situational work, situational work. Well, now here you had at most three plays from inside the 10 left to run, and they got so spooked by the hit that he took from Ed Oliver that they yanked him out of the game right away and said, Tyson, go go, go finish this drive off. And I wondered what you thought of, of that decision because it, it, it was – sort of an interesting decision in a moment where you're trying to squeeze every last ounce of development out of the guy at the end of the preseason. Again, I have no problems with the decision they made. I just wonder if it was a little too, too panicky. I never worry about guys. I, I shouldn't say never. I'm not a big fan of that, to be honest. I, I think that, you know, you, you should play guys uh, and, and see things through. I thought that was an overreaction by Matt Eberflus. They could justify the snap count. And, well, I, I would have let him finish the drive. I would have let him, you know, go out with a positive, try to end on a, on a good note. I'm also not going to overreact to the fact that he only had 20 snaps. Either way, Dan, I think that we end this preseason with questions that remain about Justin Fields, the passer. And I think there are probably more questions than people really want to acknowledge or feel comfortable with. They could all be erased with a 275-yard passing performance yeah. against the Packers with three touchdowns and one interception. That would be terrific. But I don't think that we've seen enough in preseason. So I think that when he left the game, he left uh, some, some people, some of us, kind of uh, wanting more and unsatisfied with the progress that we have seen in a very small sample size. So, yeah, I'm with you a little bit. It, there was a bit of a scare, kind of hold your breath moment when Oliver hit him and he went down, but he's not fragile. I, I don't think, it, you know, you, you can overreact too much to some things like that. And I think sometimes NFL coaches do. Josh Allen looked the part. Oh, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of performance that you want to see from a quarterback who who has that kind of star potential. Yeah, I thought it in live action. I thought it again when I rewatched it, just the ability to go down the field and lead a touchdown drive and do so with three third-down conversions that were just high-level NFL quarterback stuff. That's worth watching if you want to see what the jump Justin needs to take is. Um, looked like the hit that Oliver put on him, Iberflus was pretty clear after the game that, that Fields didn't do his job in terms of drifting back enough to get rid of that screen pass and take himself out of harm's way. And so that's another lesson you've got to learn as a young quarterback. Like, don't take that hit. This is a screenplay that, you know, the rush is coming drift and get yourself out of harm's way. So we're not worrying about bruised ribs or a broken a wrist or, or whatever it may be. Um, this is going to be a, a fascinating journey for Justin. We're going to hear from him a lot more. Uh, in the next week or so, I'm hoping to get him myself here in the next couple of days and, and we'll have some of that audio there. Um, it'll, it'll be fascinating to cross this bridge and, and, and see where it leads us. So there's a lot to look forward to the rest of the week. We're going to hear from Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham. We're going to look at who else the Bears might add to the 53, who they might subtract along the way. And we'll be back here later this week on the Take the North podcast to break it all down. Dan, we leave anything out? I'm giving one last thing, a public apology from me to Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times, who I rode pretty hard when he was going all in on a Tyson Bajan feature at rookie minicamp and, and into the, the start of OTAs. And, and I, I really chided him in the media room and said, Pat, don't you realize that they need to have some bodies in the room to play the preseason games in August when they take Justin out and, and they're going to need a guy to just oversee preseason games. Never did I imagine it was going to end with Tyson Bajan being the second quarterback on the roster on roster cutdown day. So I will own my mistakes just as I owned uh, my miss on Anthony Miller. I will own my early miss 
on Tyson Bajan in the spring. And I will apologize to Pat for giving him so much grief for, for putting in the time to do that back in the spring. And so uh, that that's that's my final word. Welcome to the Bajancy, Dan. <laughs> it's a very fun place to be. And that is special Bajan 17 to you. No doubt. And let's see where he goes from here. He may change his number. Who knows? No, no change the number. He's <laughs> got to keep the number. They've already put it on their Twitter feed. He's all over the place. Special Bajan 17. Yeah. Love the story. And we'll be back to talk more. Tyson Bajan, more with, about whoever else they add. But we'll be back later in the week to talk more uh, about the Bears and what's ahead. So thanks for listening today on the Take the North podcast. You can get it on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You can watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page. We'll be back next time. Thanks for listening. Great talk to you out there.